Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Loki is banished to the void to be eaten by a giant smoke monster, but is rescued by other versions of himself, including an alligator that's wearing the horns. Now, I'd like to say you can't make this stuff up, but obviously somebody did. So yeah, let's talk about Loki, episode five. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that avoids visiting any areas where crocodilians live and roam free. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and yes, I fear alligators and crocodiles and all that, and frankly, so should you. I mean, they're freaking dinosaurs, but I digress. I'm back once again to talk about the latest episode of Loki on Disney+, Plus. but before I do... What you're currently listening to right now is episode 196 of Just Another Fanboy, which means we have the big episode 200 coming up real soon, July 27th to be exact. Now, I have nothing special planned. I mean, to be honest, I don't have a lot of time to get too extravagant about the thing or really do much in the way of celebration. However, if you feel the need to send me a little audio shout out of some sort, you know, something you could record on your phone fairly easily. You could send that to me at feedback at justanotherfanboy.com and I'll play it during episode 200. Keep in mind, I'll be recording episode 200 on Monday, July 26th. So if you want to send me something, send it to me before then. All right, back to Loki. This is episode number five and it's entitled Journey into Mystery, which made me smile the moment I saw it on the screen. Journey into Mystery is, after all, the comic which gave us the first appearance of Thor 
in issue 83 back in 1962 and the first appearance of Loki in issue number 85, also in 1962. In fact, if you tune in to Just Another Fanboy this Tuesday, I'm going to be talking about Loki's first appearance from that issue. Now, episode five was directed by Kate Heron. It was written by Tom Kaufman and Wikipedia describes it thusly. Sylvie learns from Renslayer that Loki was teleported to the void, a dimension at the end of time where everything the TVA prunes is dumped into. Meanwhile, Loki learns from his other variants that a cloud-like creature named Eliath guards the void and prevents anyone from escaping. In an attempt to reach Loki, Sylvie prunes herself and narrowly escapes Eliath with Mobius's help. Boastful Loki attempts to betray the other Lokis for another Loki variant, who was elected president in his timeline, causing a fight to ensue, forcing Loki and his variant allies to escape. After reuniting with Loki, Sylvia proposes a plan to approach Eliath and enchant it, in hopes that it will lead them to the real mastermind behind the TVA's creation. As the Lokis head toward Eliath, Mobius uses a temp pad Sylvie stole from Renslayer to return to the TVA, while the other Lokis take shelter. Classic Loki creates a large illusion of Asgard to distract Eliath and sacrifices himself in the process, allowing Loki and Sylvie to successfully enchant the creature. The two notice a citadel and walk towards it. So yeah, let me break it down for you folks. Break it down. Wicked, wicked. The mid credit scene from episode four where Loki wakes and finds himself in the company of four other Lokis, that's the void. So when somebody is pruned from the timeline and when a timeline itself is pruned, it's all sent to the void where this giant smoke monster, Eliath, eats it. However, these four Lokis, Kid Loki, Classic Loki, Boastful Loki, and Alligator Loki, who the host over at the Heavy Spoilers YouTube channel has dubbed Croaky, which I think is pretty funny. Anyway, those are your four variant Lokis. Now, each one was pruned, of course, because they caused some kind of Nexus event. Kid Loki's Nexus event was that he killed Thor in his timeline, and because he's the only one of the variants that has successfully done that, he is actually their leader. Classic Loki's Nexus event he escapes Thanos, so he kind of goes through basically the same life that our Loki has gone through, but of course he looks like the classic Loki from the old comics, and when he is confronted by Thanos during Infinity War, he is able to create such believable replicants that he created a replicant of himself that Thanos chokes out and kills while he escapes. And he goes off and finds some lone planet where he hides for a number of years before finally realizes he misses his brother Thor. And when he finally tries to leave the planet, that's what causes the Nexus event and the TVA come and get him. Boastful Loki's Nexus event, they don't... Well, first of all, he's known as Boastful Loki. So we are... We're not sure if everything he says is lies or not. And at one point, he's boasting that he killed Captain America and Iron Man and took the Infinity Stones for himself. Alligator Loki called him a liar 
they fought for a little bit. It was pretty funny. Alligator Loki, they're, they're all, they all hang out in this underground lair that keeps them out of sight of Eliath, which is why they've survived. And Loki actually asks them, well, if, if Eliath eats everybody and destroys everything, why are you still here? And classic Loki says, cause that's what we do. Loki survived. And this underground lair appears to be a bowling alley. And they're sitting around a campfire or at least a dead campfire of burned up bowling pins. And alligator Loki has his own little wading pool that he hangs out in. He doesn't talk. He does. He talks alligator, which classic Loki and well, the other Loki seem to be able to understand him. Anyway, alligator Loki's nexus event was that he ate the wrong neighbor's cat. Anyway, we go back to Sylvie and Renslayer and Sylvie is she has the upper hand. She has the the pruning stick or whatever. She's got the pointy end pointed at Renslayer and she's threatened to kill her if she doesn't tell Sylvie what's going on and who's behind the TVA. And Renslayer pleads ignorance. She was just as surprised as the rest of them to find out that the timekeepers were freaking robots. And so she calls up Miss Minutes to look into the files of the creation of the TVA. And in fact, we find out that she's actually trying to stall because then eventually TVA agents show up to apprehend Sylvie and Sylvie ends up pruning herself to escape. She needs to get to Loki. She knows she needs to get to Loki and she realizes the only way she's going to do that because Renslayer explains to her that Loki is not dead, that he has been sent to the void, which is at the end of time, um, and that he could be he, he could eventually die there. Sure. I don't think she explains to Sylvie that there's a giant smoke monster that just wants to eat people. But Sylvie, realizing the only way she can help Loki is to to get to the void herself. She prunes herself. She she ends up in the void. She's in like a school bus. That's where she appears. And Eliath tries to eat her. She's running from Eliath. She sees a car coming at her, driving across this field. It's honking at her. She jumps into the car and we find out that driving the car is Mobius. Sylvie's not sure if she can trust him at first, but Mobius, it's obvious that he's not happy, that everything he knows is a lie, and that he's been pruned, basically. He's not happy about that, and he wants to do something about it. And they decide to head out and look for Loki, and she actually, because as she's running from Eliath, a bit of the smoke touches her, and for a moment, her enchantment powers allows her to see a flash of Eliath's I don't know, thoughts, maybe memories. And she sees quickly like a, a citadel or something in space. And she tells Mobius to drive toward Eliath. Well, down in the bunker, Loki explains to his variants that he needs to kill Eliath. He needs to get back to the TVA. He needs to take the TVA down. He tells them about Sylvie. He asks them if they've ever. It, it's actually kind of funny because he goes, have you ever run across a female variant of us? And classic Loki says something to the effect of, oh, no, sounds horrible. Well, he tells them about Sylvie and he tells them that she's trying to bring the TVA down and he wants to help her. He believes in her. He believes that's what they need to do. And they explain that Eliath is also guarding some kind of gateway or some sort and that maybe through there he can get back to the TVA. And so Loki decides he's going to kill Eliath. None of the other variants want to go with him. They think he's pretty stupid for wanting to do something like that. They think it's a death sentence. So he goes to leave the bunker. And when he opens the hatch at the top, another Loki variant surrounded by even more Loki variants are, are, are there. 
This Loki variant is the vote Loki or the president of his timeline. Uh, it, this was a comic I never read, but apparently Loki ran for president and almost won. They refer to him as the vote Loki variant. Anyway, he is there to capture the other Lokis. He has decided he's going to be the leader of all the variant Lokis, and he's got an army of variant Lokis on his side. And classic Loki blames our Loki for leading vote Loki. <laughs> That's a lot of Lokis to their little hideout. But then we learn that boastful Loki actually betrayed them because that's what Lokis do. However, classic Loki and even kid Loki and alligator Loki are all, they're kind of over this whole, oh my gosh, Loki's betraying Lokis and everybody's betraying everybody and just we're just sick of that cycle. And as it turns out, all these other variant Lokis that vote Loki has brought with them they all turn against him and they all turn against each other. And pretty soon all these Lokis are just fighting each other down in this bunker. And so classic Loki creates replicants of himself and our Loki and kid Loki and alligator Loki. And then he creates a little portal and they are allowed to escape. Obviously, his portals aren't strong enough to get them out of the void, but they can escape the the bunker. Well, up top, outside the bunker, they see a car coming toward them. It, it, it is, of course, Sylvie and Mobius. And they have a, a, a reunited and it feels so good type of moment. And he explains to Sylvie that he's going to kill Eliath. And she basically tells him why that is. That's the dumbest thing you've come up with. Why would you want to do that? And he's like, well, what's your plan? And she goes, I want to enchant Eliath. And so that becomes their plan. Well, when she pruned herself, she had stolen Renslayer's Tempad. So she's got a Tempad with her. With that, they can all get out of the void. But... Loki and Sylvie feel that the only way they're going to take down the TVA is to enchant Eliath. Because Eliath, not only is he there to eat the variants, he is there, he's guarding something. There's something that he is guarding. And Sylvie feels that b based on what she saw when she touched the smoke monster, he's guarding whatever is behind the TVA. And she wants to enchant him and get to whoever is behind all this. Loki agrees to go with her. He gives the Tempad to Mobius, Kid Loki, Alligator Loki, and Classic Loki decide to stay in the void because that has become their home. Mobius tells Loki that he's going to go back to the TVA and burn it to the ground. And then they they hug. It's a really nice moment. This, you know, I think I talked when we talked about episode one, I talked about how this Loki, of course, is not the Loki that we saw in Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War, heck, even Thor Dark World, where that Loki has a story arc. He has he has a, he has this whole arc where he starts out as a villain and he ends up becoming maybe not quite a hero, but but an anti-hero. He and Thor reconcile. He realizes that, you know, his actions led to the death of his mother and all that junk. And I explained that this Loki is not that Loki. So we're dealing with a Loki who is a villain. But now he's going through that arc, meeting Sylvie and these other variants and going through what he's gone through. He now realizes that the thug life is not for him and that he too needs to be the hero because that's what Sylvie is being. She's being a hero. She wants to shut down the TVA because it is apparent that what they're doing is wrong. So they go to enchant Eliath. They can see that there's another timeline branch that is coming into the void or it's about to come into the void. And the idea here is that when this timeline branch drops into the void, Eliath will be distracted by feeding on it. And that's when Sylvie will step in 
and enchant it. Kid Loki gives our Loki a golden sword. They realize as they're getting closer to Eliath that this timeline branch does not seem to be falling. Eliath is now focused on them. So Loki, using this flaming sword, runs off to distract Eliath. However, it's not quite working because as soon as Sylvie tries to enchant it, its focus now is directed right back toward her. And then that's when classic Loki shows back up. He uses his powers to create the illusion of Asgard just being built right there in the void, showing Loki that he is more powerful than he is he's ever imagined. Classic Loki shows him that he's got powers he's yet to tap into. Sylvie tells him that they have to work together to enchant Eliath. Loki says he doesn't know how. And she goes, of course you do. The, 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 it, she goes, I can do it. We're all the same people. We're all the same person. If I can do it, you can do it. They hold hands. They, uh, classic Loki ends up sacrificing himself. Eliath eats him, but Loki and Sylvie are able to enchant it. The smoke parts like the parting of the Red Sea. And we see basically a castle floating on a rock in space. And that's how it ends. And there's no mid credit scene. So first of all, I just want to say this is the best episode of the series so far. And Loki is my favorite of the three Disney plus Marvel shows so far. It is just kicking all kinds of butt. Now, the fun thing about being in the void is there were a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of Marvel Easter eggs from the comics and from the movies just all over the place. And while I did notice three of them, I did not notice all of them. So after scouring the web and watching the heavy spoilers video show about episode five, I've made a list of all the Easter eggs that I'm going to share with you. I will go through first. I'll go through the three that I noticed. And that was the first one was the first one I noticed. And it's probably the best Easter egg of the entire series. And that's a crashed helicopter with the name Thanos written on the side of it. This is the Thanos copter, which appeared in Spidey Super Stories number 39 back in 1979. This was a comic book that Stan Lee did that was for children. I never read it. And in fact... I just happened to watch, I don't even remember, it might have been an episode of Comic Tropes on YouTube that talked about the Thanos copter or Spider Spidey Super Stories, and I watched it a number of months back. I mean, it might have even been a year ago that I watched this episode. But the moment I saw that helicopter, I just started to laugh. I thought it was so funny, because that means that this version of Thanos exists out there in the multiverse. There is a version of Thanos that has a helicopter, a yellow helicopter with his name on the side of it that he used. He tried to get the cosmic cube using this helicopter. That's all I remember from the, from the episode, but it looked really silly to see Thanos flying a helicopter with his name on it. And the fact that it was in this episode just, it made my day. At one point in the bunker, they're drinking a box of rocks wine, which is from the rocks on corporation. And then as we are delving down into the bunker, we see Mjolnir buried in the earth and under it, a jar. And in that jar, it happens really quick. You got to be paying attention is Throg. If you're not aware of who Throg is, that's the frog Thor. Now on the jar, I didn't notice this. I had to be told about it. But on the jar is a label that says T365, which would reference Thor issue 365, which is the first full appearance of Throg. 
And that's when Loki changes Thor into a frog. He has now become its, its his own character, which they call Throg, and it's a wonderful character. I, I've been catching up on the Donny Cates Thor series through Marvel Unlimited, and Throg shows up in that series, and he is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe, just based on the couple of issues he was in in that Donny Cates run. So those are the Easter eggs that I noticed. The ones I didn't notice... We see uh, the Dark Aster, which is Ronan the Accuser's ship. It's, you know, crashed there in the void. We see a giant helmet that appears to be Yellow Jacket's helmet from the Ant-Man movie. If you remember Yellow Jacket, the way they got rid of him was he got basically sucked into uh, the quantum realm or some other world. And maybe he showed up there at the in the void. And there's actually a... a a theory about him that we'll get to when we talk about theories. You see the head of the living tribunal, which was a cosmic entity that apparently looked over and uh, kept the multiverse in line. And if the TVA has destroyed the multiverse, I'm guessing they would have had to have killed the, the living tribunal in order to do that. There was an arcade game called the Polybius arcade game. I've never heard of this before, but apparently it was a game uh, there's a conspiracy theory out there that this is a game that was part of a government-run psychology experiment in the 80s, and it would just show up in arcades, and kids would play it, and it would hypnotize them, and there are apparently stories from eyewitnesses all over the internet that would see these game that saw these games back in the 80s in arcades, and that they'd show up mysteriously in an arcade, and then just as mysteriously, after a few days, a couple of men in, dressed in black would come and take the, the games away. This arcade game was down in their bunker. We saw the USS Eldridge, which was part of the Philadelphia Experiment back in 1943, where apparently the government, again, this is another conspiracy theory, uh, did some mojo on this ship and made it invisible and cloaked it from enemies, and maybe even teleported it at one point. You see at one point Stark Tower, but it doesn't say Stark on the side. It says Kang, Q-E-N-G. Kang, apparently, this was a uh, reference to Avengers Forever, which I do remember reading, but I don't remember this part of it. But apparently, in Avengers Forever, Kang Tower was the Kang Corporation, purchased the Stark Corporation, maybe, and the head of this corporation was actually Kang, the Conqueror, using a pseudonym. We saw a crashed helicarrier. We saw the Lighthouse of Alexandria. And I swear I saw Red Skull's rotocopter rocket thing crashed somewhere in the show. But nobody mentioned it on any of their list of Easter eggs. And, and I, I honestly can't remember if I saw, saw it at all. But those are some of the Easter eggs. If you saw others, let me know. But let's talk about some theories real quick. Of course, when we're talking theories here, we're talking about who is the big bad. When we watch episode six next week and Sylvie and Loki make their way into this castle or citadel or whatever it is floating out in space on this rock, who's going to be in that castle? Now, odds are it's going to be Kang or some version of Kang. That seems to make the most sense for comic book fans that's the, the, the biggest Easter eggs we have been given in this show. Everything seems to be leading toward Kang. Of course, Jonathan Majors has been cast in the role of Kang for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. The, the Murphy's Multiverse website pointed out that it seems to be kind of, kind of a coincidence 
that he was cast for this role in a movie that has not begun production, you know, months and months in advance of any type of even pre-production being done for this movie. And yet it was around the time that pre-production and production was being done for the show Loki. So we may get Kang in episode six. I think that's where the smart money is, is on Kang. It seems to make the most sense in regard to everything that we've been given so far, um, or at least all the hints they've been giving. I'm about 75% behind Kang. There's a theory that it could be Darren Cross, who was Yellow Jacket in the Ant-Man movie, that when he got sucked into the quantum realm or whatever, maybe he ended up in the void and he ended up creating the, you know, becoming king of the void and he created the TVA and all that junk for some reason. Could Renslayer be the big bad? Is she lying about not knowing what's going on? I don't know. I, I don't really have my money on Renslayer at this point. Another idea is that it's another version of Loki, like an old man Loki, like a Loki that has gone through everything that Loki could go through and he's come out the other side as a survivor and he's trying to, I don't know, get rid of all the other variant Lokis. That's one of the theories. I'm not, I don't know if I'm 100% behind that. But honestly, I mean, if we stick to the whole with the mystery, they've introduced us to the villain in the first chapter. If we stick to that theory that we have been introduced to this villain in episode one, then it could be a variant of many of these characters. It could be a variant of Mobius. It could be a variant of Renslayer. One of the theories is that the person in this castle is going to be a character called He Who Remains. Now, again, I don't remember reading any comics with He Who Remains in them, but based on the internet, He Who Remains is the final director of the TVA, and he lives in the Citadel at the end of time, the last reality of the multiverse. That sounds like what we're dealing with here, right? We're in the void, which is at the end of time, and Loki and Sylvie are heading toward a citadel. So here's my theory. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much I'm behind this theory, but here's something I'm just going to throw out. I'm going to use both the he who remains idea and the idea that we met our villain in episode one. And my theory is that it is he who remains, but he who remains is a variant of Mobius. Let me explain. One of the themes that keeps popping up in this show is the idea of time loops, whether it's a, a true time loop, like the prison time loop that Loki was put in, or the idea that everything that Loki does, for example, it all comes full circle. It always ends the same, regardless of how he goes about about it. This is how it's supposed to be. Uh, it's all a big circle looping over and over into the future. All right. So when last we see Mobius in this episode, he's going back to the TVA to burn it to the ground. So let's say he accomplishes that. He stops the TVA. He burns it to the ground. He is the last one remaining. And he remains there until the end of time. Because remember, the TVA is in a, a realm out of time. But there's still a part of Mobius that even though he was a variant pulled out of his timeline and lied to, there's still a part of him that believes in what the TVA is doing. And so he decides, since he's burned the TVA to the ground, he's ended it, he's going to recreate it the way he feels it should be. So there's a part of him that still thinks that the TVA was doing the right thing. They were just going about it the wrong way. And so he's going to start the TVA over. 
And that's who He Who Remains is. In the comics, he was the final director of the Time Variance Authority, and he actually reaches back into the past and creates the Time Variance Authority. So my theory here is that it's Mobius. He, after burning the TVA to the ground, he reaches back into the past and he creates the Time Variance Authority in a way that he thinks is the right way to do it. But because everything is a loop, because everything keeps happening over and over again, the Time Variance Authority just turns into what it is now. And at some point, they grab Mobius from his timeline, make him into an agent. He learns the truth. He burns it to the ground. He starts all over again and over and over and over. That's 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 my theory. Now, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if that's what we're going to see, but I, I there's a if, if there's one thing that you have learned from me after listening to any of these episodes is that I'm always wrong. <laughs> I will tell you that the prevailing theory, the one I hear over and over is that it's Kang. All right. That's probably the one you want to put your money on. But I'm throwing this one out here because to me, it makes the most sense based on what we've seen so far, because it is somebody that we met in episode one. It's not going to be some mysterious cloaked villain that just steps out of the blue. We've never seen this person before. We've given no we've been given no real hint to this person's existence in these five episodes. I just I don't think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see. We got a week. We'll, we'll meet back here next week and, and I'll be telling you, well, there you go. It was Kang all along. Everybody was right. I'm glad you put your money on that. Or I may be saying, holy crap, I can't believe I was right. I don't think I'm going to be saying that. There's a good chance that I may be saying, oh, I was partly right. Doesn't have to be Mobius. It could be Renslayer. We could find out that it's she who remains, right? But Renslayer has always been connected to Kang in the comics. So I don't know. We'll see. I'd love to know your theories. Tell me what you think. Who do you think the big bad is? Let me know. You can send your theories and your thoughts. You can send those to me at feedback at justanotherfanboy.com or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else or you can even join the or else Facebook group and be part of the discussion there. Whatever you decide to do, it's cool with me. I would just love to hear what y'all are thinking. So until next time, folks. I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 